0: Guys, we're going to begin a new sermon series this morning um, in conjunction with our week of prayer and fasting. Obviously, our week of prayer and fasting will last for five days, but, but we're going to start um, a six-week studies looking at God. Go figure. We, we're we calling it Awesome God, and the focus of the sermon series is to grow um, and, and a deeper understanding of the goodness and the greatness of God. And as we do that, our hope is that it will lead to a, a more fuller life of worship, of holiness, and of mission. Because it's not ever just about us. As Jesus blesses us, as he's rescued many of us in here, uh, he wants to include us as we, as we share what he's given us world around us. So we're going to look at the greatness and the goodness of God, and and we're hoping to grow in those ways. This morning, we're going to begin in the book of Exodus chapter 3. So if you brought a Bible, this would be a good time to open it. Um, But of course, as always, we'll have the words on the screen. And by the way, if you're joining us online, glad you're with us. Good morning. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read verses 1 through 15. And Moses said to himself, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, God said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters, those who have enslaved them. I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them. ...out of the hand of the Egyptians... ...and to bring them up... ...out of that land to a good and broad land. A land flowing with milk and honey... ...to the place of the Canaanites... ...the Hittites, the Amorites... Perizzites, Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now... ...behold... ...the cry of the people of Israel has come to me... ...and I've also seen the oppression... ...with which the Egyptians... ...oppress them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But God said to Moses, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? But God said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you, that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Yahweh or Jehovah, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Amen indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Thank you that we can gather it together in this way. And know that because of who you are and ultimately what you have done for us in Jesus, that we can be confident that you are with us. Lord, won't you be our teacher this morning? Even as I have prepared words to say, Lord, I pray that ultimately it would be your word that resounds in our hearts this morning, that even as we look to your word, uh, the scriptures, Lord, that they wouldn't just be ink on paper, but that by your spirit you would open our hearts and our minds to receive directly from you, not merely to learn more about you, but to even experience more of you. We love you, Father. Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome God, part one. This particular sermon is going to be focusing on God the Lord, or Jehovah, or Yehovah, or Yahweh, if you prefer. This is a pretty monumental moment in the story of God, in the life of God's people in the story of redemption and how God is a rescuing God who does come down to deliver his people and people out of slavery to experience freedom in life, whether that's a very real oppression and slavery or even just the slavery that we find ourselves within our own hearts, addictions and brokenness and and all of the various things that people experience in way of oppression in this world and in life. This is the God, the, the transcendent God, the, ever, the, the self-existing God, the one who says, if you want to tell them who sent you, just say, I am sent you. The one who always was, or depending upon how you might translate the Hebrew word, the one who, I will be what I will be. I am who I am. There's really no words to qualify my existence other than I am the being who always was and always will be. I am God. Not just a God, but the creator of the universe has come to have a word with this, this man. And invite him to participate in the rescue mission that he was about to do for his people. There are seasons in life when God might show up and invite you to peer over the thousand-foot precipice of life. And it feels like there's virtually nothing to hold on to. And he says, I want to invite you to experience me in a way you have absolutely no paradigm for. I want to include you in something I'm about to do in your life and the lives of others that will make it feel like you're just standing on the edge of the universe. This is one of those moments. Have you ever had a moment even like slightly like that before? Yesterday I went to the snow with my family and uh, we bought a couple of sleds and there was the little hill But then if you walk a little bit further, there was a much bigger hill. And uh, I'm watching these little kids just fly down this hill. Of course, the snow was packed as like hard as ice. And there was all these sort of, these dips and moguls and whatnot. My my boys go down and they're like, ah, bouncing around. It looks really cute. Oh, look at them bounce off the the rock-hard snow. And, And they get up and they're laughing. So I get on the inner tube, and I decide I'm going to go ahead and, and launch myself, my body, down the precipice. Yeah. Still a little sore. There's a difference between, like, a 70-pound little boy going down a hill and a 200-something-pound grown man going down a hill. It's like, I'm not sure, quite sure, like, the physics behind it all, but something about momentum, is it's different. So anyways, I got airborne. I got proper, I'm not exaggerating. I got airborne and came down really, really hard. First, I knocked the wind out of me. When was the last time you had the wind knocked out of you? For a second, like, you think you're going to die. You're like, I'm, I'm going to die. I broke my back. I'm about to die. This is not one of those moments. That's just a stupid story just to warm you guys up. This is this is something else. This is probably more like. I had a conversation um, with a brother. He might be with us online, uh, just a couple days ago. Friday, we went out to lunch. He's expecting um, a little one. Some job situations up in the air, and we were talking about the intensity of life, and how you know it's one thing to to wax theological or to talk about how I really trust God and we can sing some songs about it and I don't mean to sound trite, but it's another thing, like when life really kicks off. And now you're talking about like the very livelihood of your children. That's something else. I can deal with a few bumps and bruises because I made a really stupid decision to throw myself down the side of an ice hill. But occasionally, God will lead us to these seasons in life where it does really feel like, now there's something really at stake here. This is a risk for real. And God is calling us to respond. How can we recognize these moments? How does God prepare us for them? And what can we do to fully engage with God in these moments? And if you've not had one of these moments, just keep following Jesus. Like sincerely, wholeheartedly, keep following Jesus. Keep praying, keep reading scripture, keep coming to, keep doing the practical things of following Jesus. And I guarantee you, it's only a matter of time before he leads you to the precipice and says, now, do you trust me? Hold on, we're about to go, we're about to go flying down this hill together. Back to the text. When this story was being told, okay, so what we just read, this is not like in real time. This would have been written or spoken to the Israelites, not as it was happening, but really probably about 39, 40 years after God's people, the Israelites, had already been delivered out of Egypt. At the time that Moses was giving this speech to the Israelites. They had already been wandering around for over a generation in the desert. They are now camped out on the plains of Moab, across the valley from Jericho, just about to cross over into the quote-unquote promised land. Moses knows that he's not going with them. Their great leader is about to part ways with them, and God is about to send them to experience this new life that he's rescued them for. And so Moses begins to retell the story. Remember how God met me out in the middle of the desert long ago? You remember how he rescued your parents out of bondage in Egypt? How he led them into this impossible situation and everyone thought it was the end? And then God pardoned. And they cross through on dry land. And Moses is reminding them of who God is, his character, his greatness, his faithfulness to keep his promises. And he's telling them this story as they're camped out on these plains, looking at this seemingly impenetrable city called Jericho. And they know because they've heard the rumors. That this place is just infested with militaristic, violent tribes who, when they do warfare, they rape, pillage and sell the little ones into slavery when they're all done. And Moses is telling them the story of God's greatness, God's faithfulness to keep His promises. It's a high-stakes moment. Several thoughts go racing through one's mind in moments like this. For example, is God really leading me? You ever find yourself in that moment and you think God's been leading and then all of a sudden push comes to shove. The rubber meets the road. Everything's getting real. And then of course you naturally think to yourself, how did I get here? Is God really leading me? Did I hear his voice? What if I screw it up? What if God is leading me, but what if I mess it up? Does God really care? That's perhaps one of the scariest, most important questions I think we need to honestly grapple with. Does God really care? I feel like everything's about to go down. I feel like I'm in a way, virtually risking the livelihood of my children. That's how I felt when Shirley and I'm looking at my wife, we're getting ready to skip over the pond, pack up our whole lives, leave the UK, where we had quite a wonderful, stable life, and do this thing that we felt quite strongly God was calling us to do. Planet a church someplace in the United States. Okay, God, but I need to know for sure that you care, uh, well, about me, about my kids. Was one thing going over there as a young, single man? Adventure, yay, what's the worst that can happen? to pack up your wife and three children and be like, Yeah, let's go, let's go do this Jesus thing where like everything is unknown. God, do you do you just remind me again, do you really care? (laughs) And then of course, how's this actually going to work out? Like what about the details? Logistics, like the practical aspects of this whole journey? This, I'm assuming, are probably questions Moses was asking himself. And he's reminding an entire generation of how they got this far and the way God works in what often feels like impossible moments. So, let's address some of these. First of all, regarding God's leading. It, did God really say, is God really speaking to me? I would simply say, yes. God is always talking to people. It's, it's an ironic thing, given the fact that God is uh, typically inaudible and invisible, um, is super, super talkative. I mean, God's a talker God. He particularly loves talking to his children. Jesus said in John 10, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own by name and leads them out. God's people are promised that our Father wants to talk to us. He wants to talk to us, and he gives us ears to hear. The question is not, "Is God leading me, or is God wanting to lead me, or is God speaking to me?" Um, God is always leading and speaking to people, uh, particularly His kids. Um, the question is more of like, are we listening? Now, for sure, God he gives us grace to listen. He helps us. Apart from him, we're, we're pretty incapable. We're, we're, like, we're like my dog who just cannot help herself. If a squirrel's on the fence, it's done. They're like, there's nothing. It's embedded so deep into the like, DNA of her being. She can't help herself. And that's like we are. It's like we're just so easily distracted. And God helps us. God helps us to hear him. But we still have to... Uh, cultivate a life of listening. God gives us the integrity, the freedom to make choices. We get to choose whether or not we listen to him. And that's hard. That is hard. So God is leading. Now regarding competence. Now we read in the story that Moses, his initial reaction was like, Uh, Who am I? (laughs) Are are you sure you got the right guy? Um, Because if I remember, about 40 years ago, I had an idea. And I thought I would maybe liberate my brothers and sisters. And it worked out horribly. I've been living in exile now for 40 years. Are you sure I'm your guy? (laughs) Moses went from violent self-made liberator... Remind you of the news lately. Tamir shepherd, humbly serving in obscurity for about 40 years. But who am I? God in preparation, when he's leading us into a season where he wants to remind us of how great and faithful he is, um, Typically that preparation, that season of preparation for Moses, it was 40 years. For the Israelites, it was 40 years. Even for Jesus, he spent 40 years fasting in the wilderness. Okay, it's, Sorry, 40, 40 days. <laughs> Bible nerds, my goodness. <laughs> yes, you're right. 40 days. Okay. He prepares us through seasons of great... Um, Hum, hum, he humbles us, brings us through a process where he teaches us humility. For Moses, he thought he would just get the job done. Maybe use force. Maybe use his anger. You ever, you ever? If, if some of you have a, a sort of a temperament where you get angry quite easily, doesn't don't you feel powerful when you get angry? Don't you love it? I don't. I don't have that, but I've heard about it. I've experienced it. I reckon Moses kind of had that temperament. A real leader. Probably, you know, it could be some of you are nodding. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he used that aggression. And apparently tried to take matters in his own hands. Because 40 years ago when he saw the oppressors abusing his kinsmen, he slayed one of the Egyptian taskmasters. Literally murdered him and then buried him in the sand. And Pharaoh found out he had to run for his life. It was not the way. It was not the plan. It was never about him. It wasn't about his ability. It wasn't about his temperament. It wasn't about him at all. And God had to teach him that. And so he became a shepherd of all people. A shepherd living and serving in obscurity. For 40 years. You know, we don't hear anything about Moses during those 40 years. Nothing. He's just out in the desert. Apparently he met someone, married someone. His father-in-law was some kind of priest. And then God decided, it's time now. Who am I? But in verse 12, God says, but I will be with you. And in verse 13, when Moses says, but who shall I say sent me? What is your name? God says, I am who I am, or I will be what I will be, as I said before. I am the being who always existed. I am the preexistent one. I'm not really sure how I can qualify it for you. He goes on to say that I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, meaning I am the God who makes promises, and I'm here to keep the promise that I made to them. And so in terms of competence, it, the issue was no longer about Moses's or Israel's. Remember, he's telling the story to Israel. The issue was no longer about their competence, but rather God's ability, God's faithfulness, and God's presence with his people. Sometimes God's preparation isn't to, like, build us up and make us stronger in ourselves, but he teaches us how to come low and become weak and to become vulnerable into a place where I've now got nothing left other than the very presence of God himself. His greatness, his goodness, his commitment to keep his promises. And that's where God wants us. Oh, it's an uncomfortable feeling. And that's the journey. That's the journey over and over and over again. Every time he leads us up to another precipice of life, Brings us to a place of brokenness, a place of surrender, a place where I feel like I'm—I've got nothing to hold on to. How will I know this will work out? And God says, "I'm going to be with you." Gosh, guys, this is where, like the the, the Christian life, the life of being in relationship with God, really comes alive. Not when it's just words and ideas and theories, but when God actually leads us to a place where God, either you are actually who you say you are, or this is all going to go terribly wrong. It's great. It's great to be brought to that that place where God very gracefully, graciously uh, positions us to experience his strength. And regarding God's character, does God care? This, as I said before, I think this is really the big question. If we don't believe that God actually is good and faithful and loves his children, as he says he does over and over and over again, then we won't trust him. A child instinctively knows whether or not to trust their parent because they can just like smell love the way a dog smells fear. If you don't believe, if I don't actually believe that God loves me and cares about me, when it comes down to it, every single time I'm going to back off. Every single time I'm going to grasp for control. Every single time I'm going to relapse back to the way I was before. Does God care? I would argue that this is the the sort of the, the climax of the story. This question is the very question... That God is wanting to emphasize their answer more than anything else. So, something really cool. I, I love this about the Bible. You kind of have to know to look for it. Otherwise you can miss this a lot. But Moses here uses a bit of a literary device to focus the reader's attention on, on what's really important in this passage. So backing up just a little bit. The, the end of Exodus chapter 2. It says this, chapter 2, starting in verse 23. Track with me. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God, hearing their groaning, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew, period, God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant. God saw the people and God knew and it just stops. There's a verb and an object, a verb and an object, a verb and an object, a verb and an object and a verb and then just a cliffhanger. It's like the sentence gets cut off. But then in Exodus chapter 3 verse 7, the thoughts picked back up and it says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. taskmasters and I know their suffering. It comes full circle. It's, it's a literary trick to focus the attention of the reader. It's like a good movie. that kinda, It, it kind of builds up. And then you're like, oh, but what, what was going to happen next? We'll come back to it. Wait for it. Wait for it. God heard, God remembered, God God saw, and God knew. God knew their suffering, and he cared. He cared enough to do something about it. He cared enough to risk his own reputation. He cared enough to come down. That's what we're told. God knows, and God cares. What do you think about that? feel like God cares about you are they just words I, I didn't feel like God was caring too much yesterday of course it was my own stupidity for going down that hill I told Shirley I said, I think God just cured my scoliosis <laughs> either that or I have just broken my back God cares about you? Do you know that God cares about you? Have you ever allowed God to bring you to that place where it gets tested? Because you can hear it all day long. You can hear the sermons. You can sing the songs. But until you're there, until you take that next step and experience God's faithfulness firsthand, until you actually experience his love for yourself my friends it's it's only just an idea you might say okay but that's that's like an ancient bible story like it, am i really meant to like build a life based on that but that, that is the question, isn't it? I don't know. What, what else are you going to build your life on? Who, who are you going to trust when you come to those seasons of life where it's like, okay, well, who, who really does have the power? Who's, who's the greatest one? Who has the wisdom? Who has the ability to manage the impossible circumstances of life and the world? Who will I trust who will you trust? Who will, who, will, who will I trust? Once God rescued a particular oppressed people group. Israel. But in Jesus Christ, that story becomes our story. It's the story of God setting about to rescue the world one of the fundamental shifts from the Old to the New Testament was once about a particular people group. When Jesus came along, we're told that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up. God came down to lift them up as if this is not a prelude to the good news the story finding its fulfillment of God revealing himself in Jesus Christ I don't know what it is I and mean, you get these little gems sprinkled all throughout the Old Testament where it's like, oh my goodness, no wonder there was at least a handful of Jews who knew to look for the coming Messiah. Because they got that this story wasn't just for once upon a time. It was, this is, this is the great story of God being building up to a rescue story for the world. And that's what we experience in Christ. God comes down to lift us up. He comes down to rescue us. Not because we've built a tower to the sky or somehow have managed to impress him with all of our ability and our knowledge and our whatever else you want to call it. But because God sees us, he sees our sin, he sees our rebellion. I mean, the scripture even says before we were his enemies, before, before we experienced his mercy, God saw us and he said, you're actually living like my enemies. And what was God's response? To come down and die for us in Jesus Christ. It's the same story of Israel. What prompted God to rescue this oppressed nation? If you go back and read the story from the beginning, what we don't find is that Israel fasted and prayed for five days. And God finally was impressed. All we're told is that Israel was groaning, that they were suffering. We're not even told that they prayed. The only person that we can, I suppose, say was maybe fearing God, thinking about God, praying to God was Moses' parents. That's it. The whole nation had virtually forgotten about God. But they were suffering and God had not forgotten about his promise. And the point is, this is grace. This is grace. God helps the helpless. He loves the enemy. He gives grace to those who haven't earned it, but those who don't deserve it because he loves us. He does care. His heart's moved when people suffer. He's watching. He does know us. He does see. He cares more than we can fathom or will ever even be able to imagine. He cares. He cares enough to come down that he might lift us up. That we might experience the life that he gave us life for in the first place. And he wants to position us to experience his love. In Jesus Christ, the story of God rescuing people, calling people to trust him. Using weak, unqualified people to bless a nation. We need that. Showing up in the middle of our obscure lives. This is our God. This is our great and good God. So we're going to fast this week. You might be hearing about it for the first time. You might be joining us online thinking, ah, what, I don't know, are we? Yes, we are. We're going to fast and pray this week. We're going to join with people all over the world. Virtually every nation, well not every nation, every continent. About 80 or so nations on the planet. We're going to be joining together to pray and fast. I wonder as we seek God, if he might not lead us into a season where we are positioned to trust him in ways that feel like, Okay, the training wheels are coming off. Anything could happen now. What are you anticipating? What are you asking for? What are you thinking about? Can I make a, a few suggestions? I've written them down. Um, first of all, when we fast... It's like our way of saying, here I am. That's what Moses said. He saw the burning bush. Something got his attention. Pretty bizarre. We could, we could spend hours talking about just the bush itself. Forget about it. God got Moses' attention. And Moses said, here I am. That's fasting. Here I am. I got nothing but myself. Now I'm, I'm listening. Lord, I'm listening. Here I am. What would you say? What would you, how would you have me respond? Maybe move to a place closer to your community. I have this conversation fairly regularly. I don't make a super big deal out of it because I don't think, like, everyone needs to, like, live on this block. But I talk to some of you, and, and I hear it. I hear you say, I want to live closer to this, this little place, this part of the city, because I'm, I believe that, for me personally, geographic proximity is going to help me Build relationships. Again, that's not going to be everyone's situation by any means. But I know some of you think about it. And some of you, you're like, oh, I don't know. It feels precarious. It's, that's how we felt when we were leaving the UK. It was like, we don't know how this is going to work out, but we know that God is leading us in this direction. That might be for some of you. Not all of you. But that's a big one. Here's one. Give your money... In a sacrificial manner. Okay, I'm just going to go for all the controversial ones. Give a whole lot of your money to something that's going to advance God's kingdom in a sacrificial manner. Oh, I could tell you stories. We don't have time. Money is money is one of those things. It's so it's so easily quantifiable. It's just it's just money. It's numbers. It's dollars and cents. And for some of you, as you're fasting this week, you might want to ask God, okay, God, what would you have me do with my money? How might I use it in a way that's going to advance your kingdom and somehow resemble sacrificial love? It's a great question. How about leading Ecclesia? Okay, so here's the deal. Guys, the last week of January, we're going to relaunch our small groups. We call them Ecclesias. On that little welcome table in the back is a small stack of GCPDX Ecclesia Basics. It's two sheets stapled together. One sheet is like this condensed description of what Ecclesias are, like the heart of our our small group ministry as a church. Um, Some of the basics. I mentioned this last week, but we want to like throw the doors wide open for leaders to... To like lean into their passions, their ideas. We've always kind of done ecclesias like a set way. Not because we're like into control and everything, but it's just it's just kind of what we've done. And this year, I want to see us go crazy. I want to see anyone with a vision, a passion, a heart, to to gather some people together, to grow in their relationship with God and others, just go crazy. Like within like the 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 our vision. Maintaining the essence of like why we do these things, and that's what I've described in that single sheet. And there's some expectations for leaders. Like this, this is what it looks like to be a leader in our in our church here. I'd love for you to grab one of those. The second page is kind of like um, it's like a little application. It's like okay, what do you, th- what's your name? What were you thinking about doing? When, where, logistics, etc. And like describe the ecclesia that you had in mind. And then like put it in the blue box or give it give it to someone give it to a leader here and then we'll we'll talk we'll figure it out together some of you I would encourage you pray this week about what that might be for you now of course in covid world it's you know there's all these questions like well we're doing online maybe um doing i I'm I've got this vision growing. That we're going we're to build like a little covered area with propane heaters in our backyard on the deck. I built a COVID deck this summer. You know those projects you did because of COVID this year? I built a deck. And we want to do an outdoor ecclesia in our backyard in North Portland. Pray about it. G- grab a little, little paper, read it over, and then pray this week. Would God have me? sort of open my home or, or put myself out there to bless others in this way, build community, share the gospel. Here's another thing. In two weeks, this is news. Maybe only a few of you know about this, but I'm announcing it now. In about two weeks, we have a team of missionaries with YWAM all coming over to Portland from Hawaii, um, to do some outreach in our city. And if you're familiar with like YWAM at all, solid mission organization. Like, great heart, all about relationship. But they come to a city and they just, they kind of hit the streets. They engage with people in conversations, super relational, share the gospel. And when we found out about it, we're like, yeah, we'll host you. Like, what what do you need? You need a place to meet? You want to, how can we serve you? We connected. They're going to come. It'll be on a Friday and a Saturday. The Friday will kind of be like a briefing, like let's get trained up a little bit, figure out what we're doing, make a plan. It'll be right here Friday. And then Saturday, we're going to do some outreach in the community, walking around, connecting with neighbors, sharing the gospel. And then they'll be here with us on Sunday. And it's going to be really simple. And it will require some boldness. Because even me talking about it right now, I know makes some of you uncomfortable. It's just the nature of sharing the gospel. I want to ask you to pray about possibly being a part of that. What what might it look like to do something you have never ever done before? Something that just freaks you out, like you're staring off the edge of the precipice. Now I'm not gonna tell you like, oh, I think you should do this or that or the other. It's not my job, not my desire. But I'm, I, I implore you, take this week. Ask, ask yourself these questions. Think through practically, okay, there's all these opportunities before me. And other opportunities. Lord, how would you have me trust you? And you might think, who am I? Doesn't matter, not the question. It's not about your competence. It's really not about you or me at all. It's about God wanting to include us. In something that he's doing. It's about his faithfulness. Does he care? Oh, heck yeah, he cares. Can I invite our worship team to join me back up front, please? Can we stand together, please? Get one of these little communion cups on your way in. The Lord called to Moses, got his attention. A bit of weird, it's a bit of a weird moment because he's obviously calling Moses to come near to himself, and then he says, "Stop! Don't come any closer. <laughs> You're standing on holy ground." And it says that Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And it reinforces this um, this very real tension that we find in the scriptures that. God is he's holy he says you're standing on holy ground get any closer and you might be incinerated like that's that's, that's a thing but God doesn't just say hey I love you I care about you I want to be in a relationship with you but just keep your distance buddy don't get too close no 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 God God says look at I I want to be close. I'm going to make a way. I am going to come down so that you might be lifted up, because I want you to be where I am. I want you to be closer than a brother, a sister. I want you to be closer than you can imagine. And so God comes down, and in Jesus, he dies for us. And he says, now, because of what I've done for you, I'm inviting you to come boldly my throne of grace, don't hold back, I've made a way I've washed you clean I've adopted you into my family, go ahead, hop up on my lap hug me, kiss me imagine the prodigal son coming home to the father, that's the picture I want in your mind, that's what I've done to make a relationship possible and so we end there we end there, we begin there We always come back to that place. God doesn't just call us to the precipice to trust Him sort of like without any good reason. He says, look, you can trust me because I've earned your trust unequivocally. I've died for you. I've done everything necessary so that you don't have to hide your face in fear when you come into my presence. Yes, you fear me because I'm still God Almighty, but I'm also Father. I am holy, and I'm inviting you to come near so that I can make you new, so that I can love you and change you and transform you so that we can be close together. And he did that for us, and Jesus, Jesus, he gave us his body and his blood. And that, of course, is the wafer and the juice. As awkward as these little things are, I almost dropped mine last time we did this. The symbols. And I don't care if it feels weird, alright? This is this is a powerful symbol. This is what we call a uh, sacrament. And we take the bread the little wafer, we drink the juice, and we say, Thank you, Jesus. We're gonna remember what you've done until the day you return. God pours his grace on us all over again, he lavishes us in his grace we know that he cares we know that he cares so if you say yes that's that's my faith that's my hope that's my commitment today Lord Jesus thank you for coming down thank you for dying for me and I invite you to take the wafer and the juice with me right now